Hey everyone, welcome to Brain Health with Dr. Nissen. In this show, we explore the universe's great unknown, the human brain. In my reflections and interviews with guests, we'll go to the forefront of psychiatry, neuroscience, nutrition, and medicine to see how we can enhance our mental health, sharpen our cognition, and reach better performance. This is Brain Health, and I'm Dr. Nissen. Let's dive right in. As a millennial myself, I remember the first time being exposed to pornography like so many people are uh, when they're in their kind of young, um, kind of either late elementary or middle school years. And I remember the the shock and awe that occurred on that day uh, with a friend. Um, nevertheless, that was on a desktop computer, uh, you know, probably on, uh, you know, corded into uh, the internet and that has changed so much now and it's had me very concerned as a doctor and as a clinician uh, with especially the Generation Z um, and this this population of people who have grown up using mobile phones and having therefore kind of unlimited access to uh, pornography on their phones in privacy. Um, it is creating all sorts of problems that I'm seeing clinically. It's creating all sorts of paraphilias or abnormal sexual desires that are creating a lot of problematic behaviors in people. So it's something that I really wanted to talk about and I'm so passionate about um, re- recovering um, from from porn use, problematic porn use or porn addiction um, and, and wanting to support people in that. So that's what this project uh, today is all about. This is in partnership with BlockerX, an app that helps people to stay um, to, to stay free from pornography. Um, and again, it's such an important, important um, uh, problem out there. And so uh, I want to support anyone that I can in their recovery. And that's what this uh, episode today is all about. So uh, please listen in and uh, hear what porn addiction is all about and what can be done about it so that you can feel better and that you can avoid relapsing uh, on porn and live a clean and free life. Welcome to Brain Health with Dr. Niss and today we are talking about what I believe to be one of the most neglected areas of men's mental health and men's mental illness which is porn addiction or problematic porn use. So today we're going to be talking about that. We'll be talking about this issue. We'll be talking about how big of a problem it is. You're going to learn kind of some background around um, around porn use and um, yeah, how prevalent it is and what are some of the signs of it. Um, and then we're going to talk about porn as a drug of addiction. How does it relate to other uh, drugs that are commonly abused um, and by what mechanisms can somebody become addicted? Uh, and then we'll talk about uh, the risks of porn use. What are some of the um, you know outcomes that can happen? Some of the illnesses that can come from this. Uh, and then um, how to know whether or not you have a porn addiction or, or a loved one might have a porn addiction, and what they should do to get over it. Um, you know, and finally focusing on these um, on these tactics that are um, evidence-based ways of intervening with a porn addiction. So, uh, without further ado, let's let's dive right in. So. One way that um, porn use has been uh, described um, in a problematic way is, is problematic porn use or, uh, or porn addiction. So uh, for a lot of different mental illnesses, they're described in the DSM. This is the, this is the uh, Diagnostic Statistic Manual that's used to define things like major depression or OCD. Uh, but actually, if you look in there, you won't find that in the DSM. Uh, and in fact, it's been a bit of... Um, of an area of debate as to um, whether or not um, 
problematic porn use should be its own diagnosis and how it relates to other sort of paraphilias or abnormal uh, sort of sexual desires or um, sex addictions. So we'll talk a little bit about, about that and how they're different. Um, but uh, So one way this has been named is as problematic porn use or another way is as uh, porn addiction. Um, so uh, porn addiction uh, is, in my opinion, a very real thing and it's uh, the cause of of many problems in people's life and and the cause of many illnesses. For a lot of mental illnesses, the way that they're understood and the way that they're described is by their uh, causing of major um, life uh, uh, sort of disability um, or uh, or problems in somebody's life. Uh, so if you think about major depression, for for one instance, you know it's one thing if you have a sad mood, but it's another thing if you have a sad mood that keeps you from going to work, that keeps you to participating in your relationships. Um, and similarly for addictions, you know, if somebody's um, using cocaine every day, but they're able to hold their job, they're able to maintain a healthy relationship, they're able to, um, uh, you know, bathe in the morning, feed themselves, you know, then um, then the question of whether or not it's, it's a mental illness is a little more tricky than uh, if they have this dysfunction in their life. So that's one thing to look for with porn addiction is to say that this is a mental illness um, if it's causing some sort of uh, some sort of disability or some sort of dysfunction in your life and inability it's getting in the way of your work it's getting in the way of your relationships um, that's one way to uh, to define problematic porn use and we'll talk later on about how you can determine whether or not you or a loved one has it um, or at least get an idea uh, based on some different criteria uh, so um, an addiction, as a definition, is a strong and harmful need to regularly have something, such as a drug or do something, such as gamble. So in this instance, for, for porn addiction, you would have a strong and harmful need to, regu to regularly do pornography or masturbation. I regularly view pornography and then usually uh, masturbate after that. This is a highly prevalent issue um, across the world. Uh, in a survey that was recently done, greater than 90% of American men reported watching porn with some regularity. So, you know, almost every man is affected um, in, in America and probably in most countries that have uh, reliable internet. On, on Pornhub, which is the world's largest porn website alone, um, well over 90 billion videos are viewed every single day by more than 64 million visitors, with 26% of them uh, being female, so the vast majority of the viewers being male. Um, and again, just a tremendous amount of content in this area is uh, created and is consumed. Um, so uh, why has why is this an, an issue? Um, you know, I think as a lot of people think of porn addiction, uh, they think about um, you know they sort of relate the the current uh, sort of porn environment to how it's been in in the past. And in reality, this is a totally different thing that we're seeing. You know, in the past, um, there used to be you know sort of these sex shops, and people would go in, and you'd have to get in your car, drive to the car. And then get there and you know ask for a magazine um, you know see that and flip from page to page or or whatever you would do and uh, you know it was something that required a lot of effort it was something that required some sort of social risk because you're putting yourself out there you're showing your face to the people that are there maybe to your neighbors who are seeing you sort of drive into there uh, and then the the content that you're engaging with is <clears throat> 
not uh, you know not changing very rapidly. You're you know looking at uh, pictures from one to the next, or maybe you're looking at one video, uh, but then you would have to you know uh, take out the you know uh, the DVD or, or whatever sort of physical video and switch it out for another one. Uh, so a lot more effort, a lot more social risk was involved. So those are some barriers that kept this from becoming such an issue. But we have nowadays with the smartphones, we have accessibility uh, to pornography like tap water in a way that is truly unprecedented and that is truly going to create um, different issues for for people across the world and in particular for kids because one way to think of what differentiates a young person's brain from an older person's brain is the level of plasticity that's how easily we make new connections form new connections between different brain regions and in a developing brain nobody has ever known what it would do to have a developing brain be exposed to this sort of content um, and um, you know and grow up with it and only and only now are we having some millennials who have over the, the the majority of their lives been exposed to internet and and therefore been exposed to pornography are we beginning to see some of the uh, some of the outcomes of that and it's really looking very problematic um, as far as I can tell. So, um, so again, the, the porn addiction that we see nowadays is an unprecedented issue um, because of this you know, new reality of internet and smartphones. And now that we're you know, having all of these young people who are being exposed to pornography from an early age, um, we're, we're going to be seeing some different outcomes in their brains and in their sexual functioning that I think will be unprecedented just like how the you know access to it itself is unprecedented. So, <clears throat> how does porn act like a drug? Porn is just like uh, a lot of other drugs of addiction, and in, in particular, one of the main roles, uh, one of the main neurotransmitter sort of activities of pornography, is just like you might have guessed it, dopamine. So a lot of people describe dopamine as the go-get-it uh, neurotransmitter. They actually, a lot of people kind of erroneously describe it as the pleasure uh, neurotransmitter. And that's not quite true because dopamine is a lot more about the, the chase. So uh, I think actually sex is a really good way to explain different neurotransmitters. And um, so dopamine is like foreplay. It's the excitement, but it's not the, the full culmination. It's not the... Um, you know, it's not the orgasm. Dopamine is is not the pleasure neurotransmitter. It's the go get it. It's the it's the foreplay. It's the excitement, and that's a lot of what's happening at the beginning of of porn consumption. So you get sort of a, you know an interesting and sort of exciting idea in your mind. You go to chase after it. You're clicking from one one link to the next, and you're getting sort of this excitement that's building. And as part of that, dopamine is a stimulating neurotransmitter. A lot of stimulant drugs increase dopamine, so things like cocaine, um, methamphetamines, or you know, crack cocaine. These are things that stimulate you, and so you get sort of this excitement as you're sort of beginning to go down this rabbit hole of a of a porn binge. Um, so, uh, so in that way, it's similar. You know, the the start of of, of porn use is this, is similar to using something like cocaine or meth or something like that. You sort of feel uh, excited and curious and and kind of a little pow- a little bit powerful as well as you're consuming this, you know, this uh, the sexual you know content and you're kind of seeing the excitement of one of one image or one video to the next. Um, and uh, and then, like I was saying, just like with with sex, 
um, you know, dopamine is the foreplay and um, the, the ejaculation or the orgasm that happens is, uh, is, is actually a big part of that is your endorphins. So people talk about endorphins as the runner's high. This is like the sort of like, like peaceful, like ah, sort of release that happens um, after a good exercise or after um, orgasm. And that I would say is probably more of the, pre- the pleasure um, uh, neurotransmitter, which is um, your endorphins, which are your body's own opioids. So if you think of somebody that's using um, heroin or fentanyl, uh, the the sensation that they get is like an orgasm. It's a sensation of sort of profound sort of pleasure and rest and sort of uh, all other sort of problems and and things go away just for a little bit. Uh, So that's that's kind of how those relate. Uh, and then, you know, normally this, uh, this uh, endorphin and sort of pleasure uh, after ejaculation is quickly followed by a lot of regret uh, for people. So uh, that's sort of the, um, some ways that dopamine's involved. Uh, so one thing that you can think about um, porn or one way that you can think about porn uh, as, a, as a drug of addiction is to think about it through the lens of operant conditioning. So as you may have heard of uh, Pavlov's dogs, what he did was uh, Pavlov was this experimenter who was um, looking at, at dogs' um, uh, reactions to, uh, to food or, or meat. And uh, so he would see that they would salivate at seeing um, food. And then shortly, uh, he would ring a bell along with giving the food. Um, and, um, and then he would just ring the bell alone and see that the dogs would salivate just to the bell alone. So this is showing that, you know, while a bell isn't supposed to make anyone salivate, you can learn to salivate to something that isn't your initial sort of stimulus and that it's something that comes before your stimulus stimulus. Um, so in, uh, in, in, and this gets to the point of sort of, um, uh, rewards and, and punishments and how people and animals learn. One way that we learn is through uh, rewards and punishments. So uh, there are a few different ways that this can happen. We can get a positive uh, reinforcement. So that's a, a positive reward. Um, so that would be like uh, if you have a, um, a, a, a mouse in a cage with, with a lever that it presses on to get food or something like that. Uh, a positive reinforcement would be that the mouse pulls on the lever and it gets food. It's getting rewarded for, for, what, for what it did. So it's getting positively reinforced. Having negative reinforcement, this would be that um, you're taking away something bad in a way to encourage something, somebody to do what you want. So this would be like the mouse is in a cage that's constantly shocking them and they pull on the lever and, and it stops shocking them. So this, this would be, again, negative reinforcement. The, the mouse would learn to pull on the lever in order for their suffering to go away momentarily. And then you have punishments. So positive punishments would be when you give something bad to somebody if, you do, if they do what you don't want for them to do. So uh, positive punishment would be that um, you know, the mouse pulls on the lever and it shocks them. Uh, so then it will learn to not pull the lever again. And, uh, and then you have negative punishment. This would be when you would take away something good in order to punish somebody. So, uh, you know, the mouse is there eating its food and it happens to pull the lever and you would take away its food. It would learn not to pull the lever. 
so these are some different ways that um, that that humans uh, and other animals learn. And so something to think about with porn is that um, uh, you know porn can act just like like one of these reinforcers. In fact, for humans and for a lot of animals, sex is one of the most important rewards that we can get to drive our behaviors. Just like um, food and safety, um, if you were to uh, use porn, think of it as just like you're rewarding yourself with food or like you're giving yourself a big you know, stack of cash as a payday. So each time that you're using porn, you are rewarding yourself for that behavior. And that's what's so dangerous about this. When you are using porn, you are, um, you are teaching yourself over and over that this is um, that this is good that it's something that you want to keep doing because each time that you orgasm uh, you your body is learning you know this this is great what, what I just did so um, uh, so what's really dangerous and what's really important to think about and I'll get to this a little bit later on is thinking about what was it that you just watched and how dangerous is it that you are rewarding yourself for watching that thing and for being interested in that thing. So this is how some uh, paraphilias or abnormal sexual desires develop. For somebody that has pedophilia, they're interested in kids or sexually aroused by kids. Uh, for somebody that has BC that practices bestiality, so having sex with animals. The, what what can happen is, if, um, and I've seen this clinically, I've had patients, for instance, um, who have uh, developed a, a paraphilia where they would get aroused with the idea of murder and so they would get sexually aroused or or you know turned on by the idea of murder and so what happens is if you are uh, viewing content you know at first maybe it's just a standard sort of sex scene but then the second sex scene maybe the person's like you know uh, being hit violently um, but not so violently, but you masturbate to that, to that and you teach yourself that uh, you condition yourself, re reward yourself for watching that. Then for the next video, um, it's a little bit more violent and actually the person gets hurt and bleeds or something like that. And you, um, you know, masturbate and, uh, and have that reward to yourself after watching that. You are rewarding yourself for watching increasingly more and more dangerous content and you're developing um, some more and more sort of abnormal desires. So think about yourself from the operant conditioning perspective of that every time that I masturbate I'm rewarding myself for doing this activity. Is this something that I want to keep rewarding? Something that I want to keep teaching myself to do? Or is this something that is dangerous to reward yourself for doing? Just like how you wouldn't want to teach a, a random person on the street, you wouldn't want to give them a stack of a hundred, you know, hundred dollar bills for each time that they, uh, you know, punched or stabbed someone on the street, because then they would start doing that a lot to get that money. You similarly don't want to reward yourself for doing something that's dangerous. So that is one way to think about porn, and one way of why it's addicting is that you are reinforcing, you are teaching for yourself every single time that you um, orgasm, you are teaching yourself to continue doing that activity. So um, this brings me to my next point is that um, uh, porn is a, lo a lot like other drugs because it causes increased tolerance. There's So tolerance means that you need more and you need more novelty in order to continue to get stimulated and continue to have a pleasurable experience. So there's this one study that was looking at, um, uh, let me see, it was in Behavior Research and Therapy 2000, the year 2000, I believe. Um, and it was looking at 
<clears throat> how turned on do people get from viewing the same pornography over and over and over? So what they did was they took males and they put a measure on their penis to look at their the, cir the circumference of the penis, basically to see do, how often do these people get an erection to this film that they would watch. So then they would, you know, have them watch the film and see how often they would get an erection. And sure enough, as they watched the film over and over and over, the, the regularity of the erections went down and down and down. So what does this mean? If you watch the same porn over and over and over, you won't get turned on from it. In order to, uh, to get aroused again, you would need to see something new. So there needs to be some sort of novelty in order to have the arousal happen. So what this showed is that you know, by around uh, the 18th time viewing the same porn video, the person would have almost no sexual arousal to it. But then when they would introduce the new, um, the new, there's a new video that they would show uh, at around the 18th time, then there would be a huge spike in the, in the erections. This, this means that, you know, as you get um, exposed to the novel or new content, this makes you aroused again. So what is this showing? This is showing that this is the danger of pornography is that you, uh, after a while, you need to be exposed to novel and new things in order to uh, continue to be aroused. And this is where it can get very dangerous with pornography, just like I was mentioning before with paraphilias, that um, if you start with, you know, standard um, intercourse, uh, and then you move on to uh, a, a video that's a little bit more either violent or with a population that's a little bit more um, borderline in its you know demographics. Um, uh, you know you can get you can go very dangerously down one rabbit hole uh, to where you need to keep looking for more and more dangerous, more and more new things. And again, that's how those paraphilias develop, and how you can have people that are uh, you know sexually aroused from pedophilia or um, being aroused by animals and, and practicing things like bestiality, you have to, they, these are in a lot of times cases where people have, have sought more and more and more sort of novel things um, in, in order to maintain themselves to be aroused. So uh, another way that addiction, uh, that porn addiction is similar to drug addictions is that it causes triggers. So this is something that we see in substance uses all the time. You know, you see somebody who um, has alcohol use disorder, and so they, they drink more alcohol than they wish they did. It causes a lot of problems in their lives. And what do they get? They get triggers. So this might be the sound of ice hitting a cup. It might be uh, the, the, the idea of, like, you know, going to a tailgate, seeing people playing drinking games. It might be the idea of... Um, uh, you know, uh, a trigger could be like a certain song that they use or an artist that they would listen to when they would drink. These sorts of things that suddenly when you listen to it or you hear it or you, you come across that trigger, you suddenly just want to or you need to have a drink. And the same thing happens in pornography use, that uh, the some of the triggers that you can get can be things like social media. Um, so maybe some you know person who you follow, um, that when you come across a new thing posted by their profile, that you become triggered again into wanting to 
you know, masturbate um, or, or view pornography and then masturbate. Um, you could, uh, you know, have certain environments. So like going into your, you know, dark bedroom um, when you're all alone, nobody's home, something like that could be a trigger. So this is just like the triggers that we see in substance use disorders. And then um, additionally, another way that porn is like other drugs and its addictiveness is that it can strengthen the reptilian brain and, and weaken the prefrontal control. This is causing poor impulse control in the person. So think about um, your brain as multiple layers. Deepest part of your brain, just like uh, if you were to take your thumb and have your hand fold over it like this. This is how our, our, our brain is, is wired, or this is how our brain is really uh, created. Deep inside, there's this reptilian brain, which is very similar to what you would see you know, in reptiles or in other, or in other animals like dogs or uh, cats. You know, it's something that, it's the, the part of us that responds to uh, fears, instincts to feed ourselves, in, instincts to have sex, instincts to conserve our energy, it's hidden deep inside and it's covered by the parts of our brain that largely make us human. In particular, the frontal cortex and the prefrontal cortex, that a large part of the prefrontal cortex is uh, the role in inhibition, so inhibiting our animalistic drives. So if we want to punch somebody, you know, acting out violently like an animal, the prefrontal part controls the, the animalistic or the reptilian brain underneath and says, no, it wouldn't be smart to do that because I would get fired and I need to keep my job, right? And so this is the, the, the role of the prefrontal cortex is this inhibitory role. And so what can happen in addiction, or in fact, what does happen in addiction is that the reptilian brain becomes too small and we practice over and over and over the decreased ability of our prefrontal cortex to control our reptilian brain, right? And so... Um, you know, what you see then is poor impulse control because you've practiced over and over and over that as your brain tells you, no, you shouldn't do this, well, screw it. You've practiced over and over and over that that prefrontal control over the reptilian brain is weakened over and over. That no matter what you say to yourself, you're not able to, uh, to control those sort of reptilian urges. And so this is what happens in all forms of addiction and what happens in pornography is that um, as you practice over and over of sort of saying to your prefrontal cortex that's saying you shouldn't do this and you say, well, screw it, then uh, you get worse and worse at that, not only in your control over porn, but in all areas of your life where you may find that you're sort of less um, scrupulous in your uh, finances, or you may find that you're uh, uh, less able to sort of focus yourself on your studies and that you um, are having more sort of ADHD-like symptoms of getting distracted by a lot of, by a lot of different things. So these are some ways um, that the, the, brain, um, the brain function and the circuitry between different areas of the brain become affected in porn addiction just like they do in other substance use. Um, and then ad additionally, what can be seen is that there's dysfunctional stress relief um, or dysfunctional emotional control using uh, something as a substance as opposed to good mental health practices. So just like we see in substance addictions, uh, so alcohol, again, another good example, commonly for people, they use it as an anxiety treatment. 
they're trying, they're, they're somebody that may have social anxiety, they feel nervous in social environments, and so they start drinking and realize, hey, my social anxiety goes away when I drink. And so then they learn over and over that, you know, every time that I go out or I'm going to a party, I need to take a few drinks beforehand. You're, you're medicating, you're self-medicating your anxiety uh, in that social anxiety. And usually that then we fall into the problem of for all sorts of anxiety to then have a reliance on alcohol to treat the anxiety. You may take a few drinks before an important an important presentation at work. You may then take a few drinks before a difficult day at work. And then you may find all days uh, being anxiety provoking and need to drink every single day. That's the same thing that happens um, in porn use and that can happen in porn use is that uh, somebody, a very common thing would be for um, the feelings of loneliness or of depression to be a trigger for somebody to use uh, porn. For a very uh, brief while while they're using the porn, they don't feel lonely and in fact they, feel, they don't feel pressed. They feel powerful, they feel curious, they feel uh, sort of you know, excited, they feel desired maybe even by somebody on the other side of the screen and that's something that uh, can become very dysfunctional as you start to rely on that over and over and over. Um, so another way that it's very similar. Um, and then, you know, this leads to this whole process kind of like I just laid out um, that is similar for porn as it is for a lot of other substance use, a lot of other addictions, which is having a trigger, having that lead you to be excited, and then having your prefrontal cortex trying to tell you no, 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 you shouldn't do this. We learned about this in the past. You can't do this. Uh, and then you ignoring that and then having the climax and then feeling this feeling of regret afterwards. It's the exact same thing that happens when somebody relapses on, on alcohol or when they relapse on uh, heroin. So, so now that we understand how it's, it can cause an addiction, porn can cause an addiction, and how that addiction can relate to a lot of other substances that people can have addictions to, let's talk about some of the risks of porn use. So the number one risk and the most common thing that people come to the clinic with would be erectile dysfunction. So it is hugely common in anyone that I come across that is experiencing erectile dysfunction, so they're having difficulties getting an erection, uh, or somebody that has difficulties achieving orgasm, so they're you know they're having sex and they can't they they can't uh, have an orgasm, they can't ejaculate, um, or in somebody um, who is uh, you know sort of uh, just taking too long, or actually another common uh, thing is that somebody uh, uh, ejaculates too early or having premature ejaculation. All of these can be related to porn use. Um, so uh, the erectile dysfunction and um, the delayed ejaculation, a lot of it is related psychologically to this novelty seeking and to the sort of uh, sort of alien-like feel that people can can have when they're with, when they're with a real person. If they become so accustomed to masturbating and ejaculating after masturbating, uh, then it can feel very alien to actually be doing intercourse with another human being. It's so different than the context from which they normally ejaculate. So that can um, you know, be a, a source of, of, of problems for them. But additionally, based on the content that you're viewing, it can be so abnormal and so unrealistic that you suddenly have labeled um, in your mind a, a sort of environment 
uh, as being sexually arousing for you that you can't find in real life. And so when you're having a normal uh, sexual encounter with somebody in real life, uh, it's something that is so ho-hum or so uh, you know, unexciting for you based on what you've seen that it can be difficult for you to get aroused. So that's one of the ways that erectile dysfunction happens. You've learned, you've, you've, uh, you've uh, sort of taught yourself through operant conditioning that you will be rewarded over and over for um, something that's either more and more violent uh, or something that is um, with you know, a person that looks a certain way that uh, maybe they don't look like, that very few people look like in real life, that uh, you have a difficult time then becoming sexually aroused by somebody that um, is more commonly, you know, looks a more common way uh, or that, you know, is interacting with you in a way that's less violent. Similarly, um, with, uh, so that's covering erectile dysfunction, but for um, premature ejaculation, again, another issue, it's not a lot of people who masturbate often, um, they may be in environments where, where they feel uh, nervous or are overly excited um, and or they're trying to cover it up and so they've taught themselves over and over to ejaculate very quickly and so then you can then teach yourself to have premature ejaculation where if you've learned through pornography and masturbation to ejaculate you know within 30 seconds then then that becomes a very big issue in your own you know personal real life uh, sexual encounters um, so uh, similarly one thing I want to touch upon with that uh, um, erectile dysfunction uh, is that um, as somebody is, uh, you know, getting exposed to kind of more and more violent content, and this is something that that we see a lot in young kids, is that, uh, you know, they'll get in trouble then for uh, either grabbing onto somebody violently, hitting somebody violently in sex, just like they'd seen in porn, and then, um, you know, this is sexual assault or, or some sort of, um, you know, there could be some sort of alleged rape or something like that um, it, because they're acting in a way that they've learned um, f- through, you know, these uh, learned mechanisms in these videos. So, um, so again, so that's touching on erectile dysfunction and some of the risks of, uh, of acting out too aggressively or in an abnormal way during sex. Another one that's closely related is relationship strife, humiliation, and isolation. So it's very common for people to come into the clinic looking for help with their porn use because somebody, uh, their, their spouse is close to divorcing them or because uh, they are feeling more and more isolated. They're feeling like they can't date anyone um, because every time that they have a sexual encounter, they're either too violent and the person gets scared and leaves or they, are, they have premature ejaculation or they have erectile dysfunction or delayed ejaculation. So uh, all these can be really big problems that that then lead somebody to come in. Uh, But then another very common thing that I touched upon and probably one of the other most common um, you know, risks of porn use is paraphilia. It's developing something like bestiality, so being sexually attracted to animals or acting out in that way, which again is actually not so uncommon. Um, something like, um, uh, you know, um, having sort of a, a sexual uh, desire related to hurting someone or even murdering people is a sort of paraphilia and pedophilia again is very common um, and so um, as you're you know d- 
looking at pornography and you need to be exposed to more and more novel uh, and so more and more sort of new exciting content then it's going to lead you down a rabbit hole that is um, more and more strange and dangerous and may lead you to have one of these strange sexual attractions that you would want to avoid and then finally some of the other mental illnesses that are associated with um, with uh, porn addiction would be depression and ADHD so um, you know one of the most common things that people with depression feel is feelings of worthlessness which is you know common in depression uh, feelings of, of depression and maybe at, at some points um, like wishing that they were uh, dead or, or that they would be better off not living so um, some people can can develop mood disorders or depression based on um, these issues that they're experiencing and ADHD like I described uh, for people who um, you know, have really lost control of their prefrontal cortex over their animalistic uh, reptilian sort of lower brain structures um, that they can develop um, inattentiveness and impulsivity and other parts of their life that can, um, you know, be just like ADHD or they, they can really be true uh, ADHD. So um, how can one know if they have a porn addiction? So, you know, some common signs of addiction to any substance or any behavior is that you have cravings or triggers, uh, kind of like I described before. So where um, you would, you know, in a, in a day, something not, you know, a regular day, have something not feeling quite right. And so then you would go and um, seek out, you know, porn or that you would get triggered by seeing something on TV and go and need to run and uh, into you know a room or, or whatever and, and watch pornography and masturbate uh, so having cravings or um, or uh, triggers uh, having an increased tolerance for the substance or for the behavior so needing to consume more of it or stranger uh, or different amounts or types of it in order to get the same high uh, that happens with drugs and that happens with porn uh, and then having feelings of withdrawal when not using so this is kind of what somebody could feel with the crash or the regret after porn use and similarly um, with the uh, you know just, just going a longer period without it kind of feeling more uh, depressed or low energy and feeling like you need it as, a, as an emotional pick-me-up so uh, kind of in more concrete terms some ways to know whether or not you have a porn addiction would be uh, if you are experiencing a significant number of these symptoms that I'll list here um, so feeling uh, that you're that you're limiting social, occupational, or recreational activities in order to keep time for finding and viewing pornography. Uh, feeling that viewing pornography takes significant time away from obligations like your work, your academic life, your domestic life, or social life. Um, feeling that you're continuing your behaviors despite negative consequences. Uh, having tolerance, so needing more frequent or intense pornography needed over time to obtain um, really an, er an erection and um, an orgasm. Um, feeling distress, restlessness, or irritability if you're unable to view pornography. Um, so things like dizziness, headaches, sleeplessness, restlessness, anxiety, depression, mood swings, um, kind of consuming more extensive or longer periods of pornography than intended, having ongoing but unsuccessful efforts to stop, reduce, or control your behaviors, uh, spending an inordinate amount of time or money viewing pornography. Um, so these are, you know, some symptoms. If you have, say, three or more of those, then I think it's very uh, 
you know, likely that you're developing some sort of pornography addiction or something close to it. Um, so something to think about is, well, all right, you're thinking maybe I do have a porn addiction. Uh, and how, you know, how do I know if this is bad if I need to do something about it? So you can think about yourself kind of on, on a spectrum. One way would be, you know, do you consume this no more than one to two times a year with no compulsivity, no binging, no changes in self-construction, no changes in kind of how, how you view yourself, uh, then, you're, then you're pretty low risk. Um, but if you're, you know, a little bit higher risk is if you're, you know, between curiosity and compulsive behavior, you're consuming it maybe roughly once a month, um, usually can overcome temptations, but occasionally fall into temptations. You feel horrible afterwards. You may binge for one to two days um, and spend some time fantasizing when not using it. And then, you know, then this is getting a bit more serious, um, you know, and then more serious still would be if you have sort of chronic struggle, you have loss of hope, um, that you can only be sober for a few days at a time, you feel hopeless about recovery due to many failed attempts to quit, um, and then, and then you know, at, at your worst is, would be when you're viewing porn and acting out sexually as a daily occurrence, you're experiencing hopelessness about it, you're, uh, most of the day re revolves around seeking and using porn, and you're using more and more abnormal and extreme materials. So, you know, look at yourself on the spectrum and say, you know, how uh, how severe is this? And, you know, regardless if you, if you think you kind of screened into having three or more of those symptoms above, you'll want to seek help for this issue. You'll want to talk to your doctor. Certainly, if you're feeling unsafe, if you're feeling like suicidal uh, related to this and you want to uh, talk to your doctor, call 911 or go to the ED. Um, um, but, uh, you know, consider how serious this is. And, um, uh, if it's something that's looking more and more serious then you know, you, you, you probably do need professional help with it. Um, so another th way to think about this is think what stage of change are you at? So, uh, in addictions, there are these different stages of change so that you can know kind of where you're at in, in, um, and your, you know, changing of your behavior. So this is a pre-contemplative stage. This is when you are not thinking at all about changing your behaviors. So you're using porn, and if you're pre-contemplative, then you're not really thinking about making any changes. If you're contemplative, that means that you're, you've recognized you had uh, an issue, and you're thinking about making changes. So you're contemplating changes when you're contemplative. Preparation would mean that when you recognize you have an issue and you're making preparations to make changes. So again, pre-contemplative, you're not contemplating any change. Contemplative, you're contemplating changes. And then preparations, you're making preparations to change. And then there's taking action. This is when you've recognized that you have an issue and you're actively making changes in your life. So this is like you make an appointment with a therapist, talk about this issue, um, and you're, um, you know, attending appointments, making changes in your lifestyle. Uh, and then the next phase would be maintenance. This is when you recognize you have an issue, you've made changes, and you're able to remain sober on your current regimen. So that's like you went and saw a therapist, you made these life changes, and now you've been able to maintain sobriety for a week or a month or a year, and you're doing these things to keep yourself sober from porn. 
And then uh, another thing would be relapse prevention. So this is when you recognize you have an issue, you've made changes, you remain sober, and you've taken actions to prevent uh, relapse. So relapse prevention would be like switching out your smartphone for a dumb phone or, um, or you know, uh, blocking different sites, things like that. Um, so I want for you to think, what stage do you think that you're in? And first of all, do you think you have a problem? Second of all, how severe do you think your problem is? Third of all, what stage are you in? Are you pre-contemplative? Are you contemplative? Um, are you uh, in preparation? Are you taking action? Are you in maintenance? Or are you preventing relapse? And if you're pre-contemplative or only contemplative, what's preventing you from getting into the next stage? So this can be a question for you or it can be a question for a loved one that's dealing with this. But what's keeping you from getting to the next stage? Is that you're, is it that you're thinking, well, this is the only way I reward myself after doing something good. I don't know how I'd replace it. Or is it that, you know, I've already failed so many times, it's not worth it. What's keeping you from getting to the next stage? So the next, the next then part of this is thinking, how do we stop? So for porn addiction, there are a few different ways that are proven to show that you can get better and you just need to um, you know, learn this and, and implement it in your life. So there is a cycle and the, the best thing that we can do is start by learning that cycle, the cycle of porn addiction and learning our particular cycle so that we can know how to recover from this. So um, the cycle is the following. First, you have a vulnerable, vulnerable environment. So this always starts with you being in an environment that you are vulnerable to attack. You're vulnerable to falling into the temptation of, of watching pornography. So uh, this could be for some people like you're, you're drinking and you always tend to use porn uh, after you drink. Or for some people it could be that you're lonely and that you always tend to use porn when you're feeling lonely or when you're in the house alone. Uh, for some people a vulnerable environment could be that you are um, uh, maybe in a fight with with a with a you know a spouse or somebody like that, um, you know think about things like that. Or another one would be like if you're uh, laying in bed with too much time, or you took a nap in the middle of the day. Those are common ones um, that you're sort of laying in there, and that you you know from past experience these are times that you use porn, and so it's a vulnerable time for you. The next thing is to think about your primary and secondary triggers. So the primary trigger is this is the thing you see that makes you want to use porn. So it could be something that you see on uh, somebody that you follow on Instagram and you see the, their picture and that tends to lead you to seek out porn. It could be um, somebody that you see on you know Netflix or on TV, something you watch on Netflix or TV um, and then you go and watch that. Uh, so think about social media. These are just social media is probably the main source of triggers for people. Uh, so you know, think about your Snapchat, your Twitter, your Instagram, your TikTok, seeing certain people on there, and um, you know, the different triggers um, that uh, that they've uh, that they present to you. Times when you've seen people and you've thought, I wonder, uh, or um, you know, who's this person I keep seeing? Let's see what's out there. Things like that. Secondary triggers would be these are your learned triggers, the ones just like the bell for Pavlov's dogs. Um, you know, something that isn't sexual but that you've learned um, is something that puts you into this sexual sort of um, uh, sort of rabbit hole. And so that could be something like your dark bedroom. Um, 
if that's, you know, something, if you always viewed pornography masturbated in your dark bedroom, then it may turn into the case that if you go into your bedroom without even planning to do it and then walking into there, you're reminded of pornography and that's where you start to use. Or it may be that, um, you know, a, you know, a silent, uh, you could say like you're a desk chair, like if you always, you know, masturbated in a, in a desk chair, then that could be your secondary uh, trigger. So think about what um, some of these secondary triggers are and identify those in your life. Some misleading thoughts. So, uh, so normally, you know, after you uh, are in a vulnerable environment and you've been exposed to triggers, so you're, you know, in a vulnerable environment, maybe you just drank and then for your primary and secondary triggers, you um, just saw somebody on social media uh, and then you are in your dark room. Um, then you have a misleading thought that comes after this. What are misleading thoughts? It's something like, I wonder if, um, let's just see what's out there, or I just want to find out how. Um, so it could be things like, uh, you know, I wonder if there's something leaked about this person, or I, um, let's just see what's out there um, regarding, you know, pictures of somebody or something like that or I just want to find out how so I just want to find out how this thing is done this sexual thing is done or sort of like uh, you know it's these are these misleading thoughts that seem like they're benign at first it's not they're they're not um uh you know maybe all that sexual at first and you sort of feel innocent and curious as you're going down this path but it always leads you down a bad path so those are the misleading thoughts. And then it's normally followed by a prefrontal thought. So think again about your prefrontal cortex inhibiting you. This is the smart part, the wise part of your brain that's saying, um, you know, I said I wouldn't do this again, or my wife is going to kill me if she finds out, or it just, um, it just won't stop at just searching, or I know that it will go beyond just this. Um, so, you know, think about um, what some of those common thoughts are that you, that you would say to yourself. And then, uh, you know, and then what normally comes after this for people is a sort of free fall thoughts, uh, like I call them. So a free fall thought is something that allows you to get past a prefrontal uh, sort of inhibition. It, it's something that allows you to um, fall into the same pattern that you've fallen into before. So something like just this one time or just a little bit or just something innocent um, or just something like effort, you know. A lot of people I see in all sorts of addictions for alcohol problems, for heroin, you know, the effort the sort of trigger happens where, you know, they've learned all these things, they know all these reasons why they shouldn't use it, but then they developed a very strong power to say effort and just fall down uh, in the same pattern as before. So literally, you know, I call it the free fall thought because it's literally as if you're standing on the edge of a cliff and you start to lean forward and gravity just takes you. You just allow uh, the, the bad pattern to just take a hold of you and pull you down. So, um, all right, so now that you've, you know, learned kind of how this works, you, you know, you have your vulnerable environment, you get exposed to a trigger, that could be a primary trigger like an image you see. could be a secondary trigger like an environment where you normally use porn. And then you, uh, you know, and then you start to use, you, you start to use, you start watching something and then you have these interrupting prefrontal thoughts. So your brain telling you you shouldn't do this. Um, and then you have some sort of free fall thought to get past it like, F it, let's go. Or I'm just going to watch one or just one time or I've already messed up like, 
I might as well get the most out of it now since I've already made this mistake. And then you f fall into using and normally then, you know, climaxing and then regretting it. So let's begin now by writing your objective. So as we can, can make a plan for you to do, to feel better, to get past this, start by writing your objective. So you want to be as explicit as possible. What is your desire here? And your desire is usually to not watch pornography ever. Uh, so really be, you know, explicit with yourself. Because remember, addicts are highly creative. Addicts can find a way to weasel out of any sort of, um, uh, sort of agreement uh, they can find a way to, uh, you know, get around whatever sort of contract that they've signed or made with themselves or other people. Uh, so, and and that's you, and that's me, and that's who you know, whoever's making some some sort of contract like this. So, you want to say to yourself, you know, instead of saying I will never watch porn, you want to identify for yourself I will never watch porn or any other video or photo that has. Um, you know, exposed genitalia or something like that. You want to be explicit because otherwise, as you'll find, if you think that you have a problem with addiction, that you will uh, come up with ways to kind of go around this agreement that you're making with yourself. If you say, I won't watch porn, then uh, and then you find yourself watching movies that maybe are mature, but they're not labeled as pornography, or you'd see yourselves, you know, looking at some sort of photos or something that are um, of models or of clothing uh, that aren't necessarily pornographic, but that you're still masturbating to or something like that. So you want to be as explicit as possible and say, um, I do not want to, or I will not watch videos or view images of anybody uh, with their genitals exposed or something like that. Um, <clears throat> so as you write in, in your objective, write it out like that in a very explicit way. And then follow this with then writing out what your cycle is. So what are your vulnerable physical environments? Remember, idle time is the devil's playground. What are your times that you are most vulnerable to falling into the temptation of pornography or of relapsing. So for you, is it your dark bedroom laying there with too much time? Is it living by yourself, being in an empty apartment? Is it um, being drunk or having had a few drinks? What is it that is your vulnerable environment? Write this down. Again, is it late at night? Is it uh, after a nap? Is it after drinking? And then consider what are your vulnerable times of day, of the week, of the year? Is it at night that you tend to fall into this? Is it on the weekends that you tend to do this? Is it of the year, is it around certain holidays, times when you have too much time on your hands? So really lay that out. The next question is, what are some other aspects of your vulnerable environments? So are there substances involved? Are you, are you alone? Are you isolated? Are you in the dark or are you in the, a bright room? Um, consider what, what are some of these other aspects of your environment that makes you um, vulnerable. Okay, so now we're going to think about how can you uh, recover from this. So how can you uh, attack this problem from the environment perspective? So how can you avoid these environments? So if we know that, for example, for you, a vulnerable environment is when you've had a couple of drinks and you're laying at home 
late at night, on a weekend night, then we can say, this is a vulnerable time for you. So let's think about how we can remove these times. Is there some time, is there any way that you can spend um, the night after you drink, um, maybe sleeping out in your living room uh, as opposed to in your bedroom? Uh, being that it's a more public space, maybe you wouldn't feel comfortable doing that there because your roommates could come by at any time or a family member. And so you would, so that would be an environment that would be less vulnerable for you because you wouldn't feel as free to do it as you would in your private bedroom. Uh, maybe you, um, you know, find that you are, whenever you're just reading alone at home, that this is when you fall into this. Well, should you read at the library? Should you go to the library? Because you probably will not, um, I, I hope you would not fall into, uh, you know, viewing pornography and masturbating at the library like you would if you were at home alone reading. Um, or do you need to stop drinking? Um, so, you know, these are some things to, to think about. What are some vulnerable environments and how can you change them or how can you avoid them? And the second thing that I want for you to do is tell your sponsor. So choose a sponsor. Choose a friend who also struggles with this. Or it could be your spouse or it could be, you know, a, a different friend who doesn't struggle with this. Tell them you have this issue with pornography and that uh, these are my vulnerable environments. It's when I'm drinking. It's when I'm home alone. It's after I took a nap in the middle of the day. And tell them. And so then they can keep an eye out for when you're in those vulnerable, vulnerable environments and they can check in with you. They can say, hey, I know that you were just drinking earlier today um, and I know this is a high-risk time for you. Are you okay? All right. So uh, the next thing is to um, change your environment. So if you've learned, uh, you know, you have this kind of looking more at triggers, but uh, if you have a certain environment that causes this, can you change it around? Can you move apartments or can you change rooms? Can you even switch around where your bed is located and change how your, the, the lighting is? Doing little things like this can make a big difference so that you don't get um, triggered in the same way once you've um, created this new environment. So I want for you to now write out your primary triggers and secondary triggers. So the primary triggers are, um, you know, maybe accounts that you're following. So who are the people that you're following on what social media channels that they tend to trigger you to use pornography and to masturbate? Uh, what are the different social media channels that you're using most often? You know, is it Instagram? Is it TikTok? Is it um, going on things like uh, Twitter or Reddit, um, lay these out. What are your primary triggers? Your secondary triggers. So what is it? Um, and again, this is kind of similar to your um, environments, but what are the secondary triggers for you? Is it just laying down and having too much time um, and uh, like reading on your phone in the middle of the day? Or what is the secondary trigger for you? So now I want for us to take action with this. So you need to unfollow the accounts that are your primary triggers. You need to block websites. So you can use apps like BlockerX to block websites that you normally look at from your phone or on your desktop. Um, and then now let's, re let's reassociate those secondary triggers. Um, so if you, you know, if looking at your phone was a secondary trigger, then uh, let's think about how we can reassociate that with something other than porn. So let's um, think about, you know, looking at your phone um, in the middle of your room and, and uh, reading uh, an article on, you know, 
on the Wall Street Journal or on uh, New York Times and reading uh, an article in the middle of the day in your room. You know, as long as your sponsor is aware of it and can, you know, keep you from falling back into it, the more that you can expose yourself to using your phone in a non-sexual way over and over, the more comfortable you will get and your, you'll, um, your association between your phone and porn will become extinct. It will go away. Um, and um, so let's, let's now think about your misleading thoughts. So what are some of the misleading thoughts that you have when you start to feel curious and you're in this um, sort of, uh, you know, porn-seeking behavior? Um, so is it, I wonder if this model was ever nude or let's just see if anyone leaked a video or I just want to find out how to, um, you know, like do different positions or something like that, sort of like uh, educational. So, you know, some of these questions that they feel like, oh, you know, this is just maybe an innocent sort of benign thing that always leads you down the same path. Um, write those out for yourself. So what is your thought and what does it always lead to? So is your thought, I wonder if there's a video of this person and what does that always lead to? Is your thought, I just want to know you know, X, Y, Z, and what does this always lead to? Or is this thought, um, let's just see if there's a video of X, Y, Z, what does that always lead to? What you'll realize is that those thoughts always lead to viewing porn, masturbating, and then feeling uh, regret and remorse. But it's important for us to write that out so we know what those thoughts are so that the next time that we come across those thoughts, we realize that they're silly and pointless and harmful. All right. So the next thing, the guilty action. So this is the single action that we do that goes directly against our objective. So if our objective is I will never view pornography or any photos or videos that, ex that have somebody who's exposed genitalia and you, you know, get triggered by seeing a, um, you know, somebody's account on social media and you go, you click and you uh, look at the video or you're just pulling it up and you have a thought that says, um, you know, I wonder, well, you, you have a, th a thought that leads you to that video of I wonder if there's a video of this person ever nude or something, um, then your guilty action then is clicking on that and starting to view that video that shows a person's genitalia because that goes exactly what you said uh, in your objective. So think about that and, and think what was your last guilty action and um, what is you know a guilty action and it is to sort of answer that for you it is when you are um, you know doing exactly the opposite of what it says in your objective. And again it's important to write that out so that you know uh, what your objective is and so that you'll be able to identify when you have disobeyed that Okay So Another thing to think about here is What are some of your uh, You know as you're planning ahead Let's let's make a plan and think about what are some of the ways that you can you know cut this cycle. So we already taught we already thought about you know some of the ways that you can avoid the triggers. We talked about defining your objective. Um, <clears throat> we talked about the misleading thoughts and identifying those. 
So what are some ways that we can make some, some life changes here? So one of them is restricting access. So as you just saw from your guilty action, you know, even though you promise things to yourself and you promise things to, other, to others, it is very likely that you'll fail. In fact, if you're somebody you think you may have an addiction, it is inevitable that you will fail or that you have failed. And so you cannot trust yourself if you have an addiction. You need to make plans for yourself to, um, to just in case your yourself were to not follow your objective that you outlined. So what you want to do is restrict access. Restricting access is one of the best ways that you can protect yourself from relapsing. So uh, one of the best ways to restrict access is to use some of these digital tools that can help protect you. So things like a safe search on Google, Covenant Eyes, uh, using things like Blocker X, uh, um, which is an app for the phone. Um, you can use things like this that can be added to your browser uh, to keep you from going to certain websites. Um, similarly, there's things you can do on your phone. Again, apps you can use like Blocker X that keep you from going to websites that you know that you tend to use over and over, whether it's you know Pornhub or whether it's um, just Google or um, Reddit or Twitter or whatever, uh, you can block those. Um, and then you can also do things like disabling JavaScript or cookies. You can um, switch your, uh, your search engine from Google to other ones that um, make it more difficult to um, come across, you know, illicit um, or, you know, mature content. Similarly, I always recommend that people avoid anonymous search engines like DuckDuckGo or incognito mode, and that's not because I have any problem with those, um, uh, you know, companies. In fact, I think it's a, a great idea, but unfortunately, for people that have addictions or digital addictions, one of the ways that they get around this is by using tools like this that they know are anonymous, so then they feel safer viewing porn or viewing things that are unsafe. Um, and rather, if you feel like your personal information is a little bit exposed, then you're going to be less likely to search for, you know, uh, things that are more concerning. So um, I advise people to avoid things like DuckDuckGo or incognito mode. Um, and then some people even take more drastic moves and get a dumb phone instead of a smartphone. They get rid of their smartphone. So I would say remove whatever you need to do uh, in order to um, restrict your access. You can't even access it even if you had a weak moment. All right. So uh, similarly, let's think about what are some of the free fall thoughts that you have. Let's write those down so that you can know um, what, what your own free, free fall thoughts are. Is it, uh, so again, this is when you're, you know, you, you can feel your mind telling you you shouldn't do it. I promised myself I wouldn't do this or, you know, my spouse would leave me if they find out. What is a free fall statement that you, that you say? Is it, it's not really that bad? Is it that a lot of people are worse? Is it, I've, it's been a long time since I've done this, or I've, I've already effed up so many times, what's on more time, just this one time, uh, I'm going to watch just one, I deserve this, or just eff it. Um, you know, consider some of these different ones and uh, write down what is your free fall, what are your free fall phrases that you use, and why are they so damaging for you? All right, and then finally, let's talk about those feelings of guilt and remorse. So for people that are experiencing guilt and remorse, you know, after using porn, um, 
there, you know, there's normally a reason why they feel remorseful or guilty about it. It's because they feel like something's wrong about it. So write down why is your use of pornography bad? Why do you think it's wrong? Is it ethically that you're concerned about how pornography preys on young women um, and exploits their bodies? Is it, um, you know, from a religious perspective? Um, is it because of concerns with your relationships? Or is it, um, you know, problems with erectile dysfunction, poor sexual performance? What is it that makes you feel regretful about pornography? Why is it bad for you? All right, and after this, let's think about why do you keep turning to pornography? So let's write down what is what is it that normally leads you to turn to pornography? Is it because it comforts you when you're lonely? Is it because you're missing a relationship and you're feeling, um, yeah, sort of lonely or sort of lacking sexual stuff in your life? Or is it because you feel like it's something that should be normal for you to have sexual sort of connection from time to time and that you feel like it's a, a you know, like a, you're feeding sort of your animalistic desire and um, part of you tells you that, that that's a healthy thing to do is it a need for physical touch why do you keep turning in pornography all right now let's think what are some ways that you can um, that you can fill your time in, instead of watching pornography so this is especially for people that have a problem of of um, having too much time or using pornography when they have um, you know free time and you realize you know this is a very um, a vulnerable sort of environment for me having too much time what are some things that you can do to, to fill up your time is it that you need to spend your time um, maybe in the library studying like I had said before and in a physically you know in a location like that where you're not able to, to masturbate or view pornography um, is it that you need to take on another job? Is it that you could volunteer, fill up your time more? Remember, idle time is a devil's playground. All right. So here are some more strategies. So there are some interrupting activities that you can do if you have a porn problem. And so uh, you can, you know, one of the best ways to change your mentality is to change your body. Um, this is a, a phrase that Tony Robbins says, you know, to change your um, your psychology, change your physiology. So change what your body is doing in order to change how you're thinking and what you're thinking. So some of these are some very, you know, quick interruptions that you can do. You can, if you're, you know, feeling very tempted, you're kind of milling it over, you can dump your, your face in cold water. You can take a cold shower. You can go down and do 20 push-ups, you know. You can go for a jog. You can go for a walk in the cold and the rain, maybe, you know, for a short time without a jacket or something like that. You know, you want to kind of get, make your body do something drastically different than what it's doing right now. Um, that can be a really good kind of reset and really good sort of distraction. Uh, similarly, you know, remember humans are social creatures. So think about some social things that you can do when you're feeling tempted. You can call your sponsor. You can call a friend. Uh, talk to your partner. You can go out to a public space like a local coffee shop, a library, busy park. You know, if you have a pet, take them out. Talk to people. Um, that's that's a good way to interrupt. Okay. All right. 
And so another thing to think about here, and this is again sort of uh, this this is now a little bit theoretical, but just something that I think about is with addictions. Like I was saying, you get this this problem with your prefrontal control over your reptilian brain, and that your you know your you're training yourself in addiction to sort of uh, let the prefrontal brain go and just act from the reptilian brain perspective. So uh, consider that. Um, you know the the circuitry between the prefrontal cortex and its control over the reptilian brain is uh, is weakened in addiction, and so how can you strengthen that prefrontal control? And so there's some there's some actually really good um, accounts and some some literature as well around some the role for prefrontal training and the the role for uh, you know essentially increasing discipline and increasing your willful control over your own. Uh, bodily um, sort of desires for things like sex and uh, conservation of energy and and things like food and that um, doing difficult things like training for a marathon or like waking up early and going straight to the gym or like um, doing some sort of dieting um, you know these are some things that can really build discipline in a way that can help you to regain that control over your reptilian brain. So if that speaks to you, that may be a way for you to get some more control if you feel like you're developing an addiction is to start waking up early and going directly to the gym or choose a difficult sort of uh, physical um, challenge, sign up for it and start training for it. You'll find that as you grow your discipline in one realm, it will help you to grow your discipline also in the realm of your uh, controlling your addiction. All right. And uh, another set of, of things here, then once you're able to get into remission, you're able to you know, go a week or a month without using porn, then you, you know, can continue um, using some, some of these different tools then to stay sober and to stay away from pornography. So again, some of these tools are getting an accountability partner, so having somebody uh, which you can get that on Blocker X, so you can get that on, uh, on like the NoFap community on, on Reddit, which is now uh, like 888,000 uh, members strong. Um, you know, or get an accountability partner in real life and check in with them every week. You know, tell them if you've been clean or you can use apps to so that they get a report. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you could um, get treatment for your mental illnesses. So you could uh, reach out to a psychiatrist or a therapist or other uh, mental health professionals and maybe helping with the treatment of your depression or of your ADHD will help um, as well as monitoring your, your porn use um, can help you to stay sober. Uh, you can use different day counters, so there's lots of apps available for this. Um, you can uh, put in there the day that you um, stopped using pornography and it can count the number of days um, that you've been clean and keep keeping track of that helps people to stay sober because they realize, you know, oh, I'm at day 99 and even though I have a lot of urges tonight, you know, I would love to be 100 days clean tomorrow, so I will not use tonight. This can help you uh, to stay clean. Um, and then there are other things that you can use as well. Uh, one of them is extinction training. Uh, so uh, you can place... Um, you can place a punishment instead of a reward or stop rewarding your activity. So, uh, so you know, whereas before you would have rewarded looking at porn with ejaculation, then now what you can do is replace that um, that uh, that uh, reward with a punishment. So uh, there are some apps like Stick, S T I C K K, and there you can um, have to pay money 
to an organization, often an organization that you don't like, if you were to relapse. And so, you know, you're about to use, you're feeling very, very tempted and you think, oh man, I'm going to have to give $10 to, you know, this organization I hate. And um, so I won't use it because of that. That's been found to be very effective. Journaling can help you to keep track of your cravings, your triggers, just like we've talked about before. And doing this on a daily basis will help you to keep clo closer sort of track of your your triggers and kind of what helps you to get over, um, you know, different cravings you had. Uh, and then, like I would mentioned before, just getting busy. So, um, you know, it may be the case that you need to get another job, that you need a place to volunteer, that you need a, a new hobby or need a, a car or house to fix up. Um, you want to fill up all of your time so that there's no time for porn at all. Okay. And um, just finally, I want to, you know, mention some common pitfalls. So, you know, the people do relapse and, you know, any addiction is a chronic disease. It's relapsing and remitting, which means that, you know, you can, um, you know, be porn free for a while. And that doesn't mean that you're out of the woods. Normally, a, a life of sobriety takes a day by day effort. So uh, like a lot of people say in the recovery community, they say, you know, one day at a time, just be sober today. Don't focus on getting sober for life. Don't, don't focus on getting over this because uh, it's likely that you will never or at least no time soon be completely over this. It will be a daily fight for you. So uh, keep that in mind. And as you're, um, uh, you know, uh, in recovery, think about uh, the fact that a lot of people relapse is they start to what's called, called doing edging, which means doing things that are uh, very close to the the thing that you're not trying to do, but you're really getting very close to it. So one way would be to um, either uh, watch things that aren't pornographic but are close to it and masturbating to that, or um, you know not achieving orgasm. Some people you know made that their their you know objective. You know, if you're getting very close, be on the lookout for that. Um, look out for, you know, porn substitutes, like I had mentioned before. So uh, things like watching, you know, mature things that, you know, mature content or nudity that maybe aren't labeled as porn. Um, and then uh, also be on the lookout for fantasizing. So, um, you know, being too much in your imagination and, and thinking about things, even though you're not consuming pornography, that can become problematic as well. So, all right, I'm beginning to get tired. We've talked about a lot. Um, you know, porn addiction, in my opinion, is a real problem. It's going to continue to be an even more and more serious problem as more and more young people are raised with this uh, during, you know, a period of unprecedented access to porn. So it is important to be on the lookout, to have a plan. I hope you found this to be very helpful for you, and I'll be sharing some of the images some of the images and graphs um, and, and other content from this talk so that it can hopefully be, hopefully be helpful for you. If you or a loved one has a problem with porn use, I suggest that you get connected with help. Um, again, if you ever are in crisis or an emergency, call 911 or go to the ED. Um, in addition, there are so many different um, tools and tricks that I would suggest, among them being Blocker X, um, being a, you know, a really great app for people. Um, so. Um, I wish you all the best of luck and have a great day. Keep your brain healthy and be on the lookout for dangerous things like this.
Hey listeners, some of you have so kindly asked how you can support the podcast. You can help by supporting us on Patreon, so please kindly find our Patreon link in the show notes. You can also support us by leaving a review, so please let me know what you think about the show by leaving a review on iTunes. You can find me on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook as Dr. Nissen. And it's important to note that this podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. And the use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is content of this podcast and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.